Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Good Friday to all of you. It is the end of the first week of Locked On ACC, Friday, February 7th, 2020. I am Brian Wilmer of FB Schedules and College Hoops Digest. I'll be your tour guide through today's episode. If you want to contact the program, do it via Twitter at LockedOnACC or via email, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. I'd had kind of this big plan for today, but some news this morning regarding a scribe who has done incredible work covering this league broke, and uh, I feel it only appropriate to alter that plan. We'll spend two segments today talking about this man, about what he's meant to this league and to those of us who watch it, who love it, who cover it. The first segment will actually share his words with you. If you are an ACC fan at all, you've read the words of David Teal for years. I am right there with you. We'll talk about him in the second segment. But in this first segment, I wanted to briefly share with you what he said in his final column. And I'll make some edits as necessary, but I want to leave this as much as what David said as I can. It says, two sports writers walk into a bar. The R&B quartet sounds top shelf, but the crowd looks sketchy. Don't worry, Dave Fairbank tells me. If a fight breaks out, we just start wailing on each other, drop to the floor, and roll toward the exit. Ingenious, to be sure, and quintessential comrade Fairbank. I never crafted an exit strategy from the Daily Press, says Teal. As the years became decades, as a house became a home, as a confirmed bachelor became a husband and father, I just figured I'd know when it was time. And I do. With newspapers the San Andreas fault of industry, and with birthday number 60 in the rearview mirror, now is the time to enter the transfer portal. Yes, after nearly 36 years, about a million miles and one totaled Pontiac, after thousands of bylines from across Virginia and the country, and a few from Europe and South America, this is my final column for the Daily Press and our relatively new tag team partner, the Virginian pilot. When I arrived in Newport News in April 1984, Teal says, President Ronald Reagan was running for re-election. The Daily Press still used typewriters, and the ACC had eight schools. What hasn't changed since? Well, Hampton High's football coach, Mike Smith, Duke's basketball coach, Mike Krzyzewski, our region's youth basketball pillar, Boo Williams, and most treasured, your generosity. Journalism 101 was helpful, but loyal readers and engaging subjects are essential. I've been blessed with scores of each, and each of you has my profound thanks. You endured my typos and called out my lapses, offered your insights and opened your lives. You helped me mourn my parents and celebrate my new family. David goes on to thank his editors, fellow reporters, one of whom is also leaving the beat, Ed Miller, who covered All Dominion. So admirably, he also wrote a separate paragraph for Fairbank. Continuing on with David's words. But let's do more than indulge in memories. Let's gaze ahead as there are more stories to tell, more issues to examine, and I hope to remain in the fray. Whether and when that happens is uncertain and, full disclosure, a little scary. Just consider what's on the horizon. This college basketball season, Virginia is striving to make a memorable bridge between its remarkable 2019 national championship and a 2021 squad that could be exceptional. 
Hampton University boasts the nation's top scoring tandem in Jermaine Merrow and Ben Stanley, while Old Dominion's women are poised to reach the NCAA tournament for the first time since earning 17 consecutive bids from 1992 to 2008. Two first-year coaches, Virginia Tech's Mike Young and William & Mary's Dane Fisher, have steered their teams to unexpected success. Tribe forward Nathan Knight is having an All-American senior year, and a first-ever NCAA tournament bid for William & Mary would resonate from Williamsburg to Walla Walla. Virginia football has risen from the depths of 2-10 and 10 to the Orange Bowl in a mere three years, and the Cavaliers' most formidable ACC Coastal Division challenger next season could well be Virginia Tech. Might the state's premier rivalry, which dates to 1895, be entering a gilded age? The ACC's been my wheelhouse since our family moved to Baltimore in the early 1970s, and a bald showman from Norfolk, Hall of Famer Lefty Drizel, vowed to make Maryland basketball matter. Then a cozy gang of eight shoehorned into Virginia, Maryland, and the Carolinas, the 15-member ACC now touches 10 states and teams with intrigue. What is the shelf life of Clemson's football dominance? Who eventually succeeds the conference's three basketball coaching titans, Krzyzewski at Duke, Roy Williams at North Carolina, and Buddy Bayheim's dad at Syracuse? Nice. Will athletic directors fix a football schedule rotation in which you play six of your 13 conference rivals on average once every six years? Will Notre Dame ever seriously ponder joining the ACC for football? When I hit the Powerball jackpot and build a basketball arena on J. Clyde Morris Boulevard, will the ACC tournament come to Virginia? I've been writing about sports since my prescient dad, noting his only child's obsession, handed me a pencil and a sheet of notebook papers. I watched yet another game on our black and white television. I was nine. Sports writing is the only job I've ever wanted, and since college graduation in 1981, the only job I've had, and it's a blast. My first daily press road trip accepted when a gentleman ran a red light and T-boned the aforementioned Pontiac. In short, I've lived a prolonged adolescence that's connected me with untold athletes, coaches, and administrators at every imaginable level who embody grace in competition and often in life. A few moments. Muhammad Ali lighting the Olympic torch and Kerry Strug sticking the landing. Kyle Guy's three fearless free throws and Christian Leitner's Kentucky dagger. Allen Iverson's first matchup against Michael Jordan and Curtis Strange's second consecutive U.S. Open title. Mike Tomlin winning the Super Bowl and Michael Vick winning a playoff game at Snowy Lambeau Field. Tyrod Taylor's touchdown pass to lift Virginia Tech over Nebraska and Taylor Heineke's 730 passing yards for Old Dominion versus New Hampshire. Payne Stewart conquering Pinehurst number 2 and Annika Sorensen lapping the field at Kingsmill. The 2002 Ryder Cup in England and Junkins to France and Brazil with boo all-stars such as Jason Capel, Marseille Brown, Shane Battier, and J.J. Redick. George Mason's and VCU's riveting Elite Eight victories. 36 consecutive ACC basketball tournaments, 28 Final Fours, and 33 Bowls. Compelling as those competitions have been, they pale to the people. Then Virginia Tech Athletic Director Jim Weaver and his wife Tracy shared their fight against his Parkinson's disease. Frank Beamer invited me to his home for his first extended interview after retiring as Tech's football coach. Tony and Laurel Bennett revealed the backstory of how he became Virginia's basketball coach. Cavaliers football coach Bronco Mendenhall described how he feels his late father's presence before every game. And his Hokies counterpart Justin Fuente pulled back the curtain on a team meeting in subsequent practice. I spent a morning in Krzyzewski's office where the subject du jour was leadership instead of basketball. A summer shadowing Ronald Curry, arguably the finest high school athlete these parts have known. A week on the road with college basketball official Brian Kersey, and months chronicling the recovery of former Lansdowne High and Wake Forest football player LaRonde Liverpool from a harrowing auto accident. Skipping ahead a bit. A pastor and a state senator recalled how Dean Smith, North Carolina's Hall of Fame basketball coach, advocated courageously for racial equality in Chapel Hill. 
Former Virginia Governor Mark Warner and a wealthy Virginia businessman in exclusive interviews unveiled the politics that led to Virginia Tech's invitation to join the ACC. A Kentucky woman explained why three days after the Olympic Park bombing embedded shrapnel in her neck, she returned for the park's reopening. Four days after the mass shooting on campus, Virginia Tech's baseball players and coaches paid solemn tribute to the victims prior to their game against Miami. Three fearless women, Sue Lambiot, Pat Kovas, and Mary McCoy, set an example for all with their tireless volunteer work for community sports, even as they confronted health crises. William & Mary's Jimmy Laycock, Christopher Newport's Matt Kelchner, and Hampton High's Mike Smith afforded unfettered access inside their football programs, as did Hank and Henry Morgan with the Peninsula Pilots. ACC Commissioner John Swafford and the league's media consultant, Dean Jordan, relived how their pursuit of the ACC network forged an indelible friendship. Then Wake Forest basketball coach Dave Odom summoned me to the Deacons locker room during the 1995 NCAA tournament in Baltimore to ask about my mom, then in ICU at Johns Hopkins Hospital. Jeff Jones called to share his prostate cancer diagnosis and determination to continue leading Old Dominion's basketball program. Virginia Athletic Directors Terry Holland and Craig Littlepage emailed and texted at all hours to answer questions and dispense wisdom. Tomlin, Iverson, and Vic, Strange, Curry, Tyrod, and Boo, all part of this region's stunning sports tapestry. No wonder I want to continue telling these stories, right? They inspire me, and hopefully they've inspired you. The highlight of these nearly four decades? It's not a game, a story, or even the lifetime platinum elite status from Marriott. It's far better. In 2009, I met Wayne and Kathy Green's daughter in the newsroom. Jill and I were married the following year and welcomed Laura, a.k.a. Tiny Teal, in 2011, the latter as I tweeted news of ACC expansion from the maternity ward. The girls are my joys and beacons, and last year they accompanied me to the Final Four. Strolling back to the media crib after Championship Monday, through the chill of a pre-dawn Minneapolis morning, I couldn't wait to see them, sleeping peacefully. Closer to home these days, we often drive past a small church where the roadside sign encourages us about our next adventure. Faith tells us that no matter what lies ahead, God is already there. So until we meet again, and before I shed a tear, a closing thank you. I was born at the Jersey Shore, raised in Baltimore, and have traveled the world. But Hampton Roads is, and always will be, home. Those words from the incomparable David Teal. Let's go ahead and take the first break of the program. We'll come back and talk a little more about David and what I know of him and what so many others know of him. You're listening to Locked on ACC. Welcome back to Locked on ACC. Friday, February 7th, 2020. I'm Brian Miller. Talked about David Teal in the first segment and about his departure from the daily press in Virginia after 36 years. There's not really a good way to say this, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it as it is. I didn't write down these thoughts or, or anything like that. I just wanted to say what's on my mind. This business, it's, <laughs> it's tough. It's only gotten tougher over the last few years for a number of reasons. Most of you probably know those reasons. You know uh, the downturn in journalism as a business. But eventually, money, time, etc., etc., it all catches up with all of us. There have been far too many treasures in this business who are no longer in it. Or are in it, but are awaiting their next opportunity. Whether it's Mike Hogwood, whom we so tragically lost a couple of years ago, or whether it's David today, or whether it's Andrew Ramspacher, who is leaving the state in Columbia to go into another career. He spent so long covering UVA sports. Whether it's Jerry Ratcliffe, who 
covered UVA so admirably in the news business for what seemed like a century. Of course, it wasn't. Jerry's gone on to start his own venture and do the incredible work he's always done covering UVA, except doing it for himself. I still love and treasure Jerry's work. If you're not already reading it, you should be. A lot of people only know of journalists what they read in the paper. They only know whatever words they see and they form opinions based upon whatever those words are. I've had the pleasure of being in the company of David Teal along with a number of other greats in this business. And what you don't see is how genuinely kind a lot of these people are. David probably couldn't pick me out of a lineup at this point, but I know him. I've seen him work so tirelessly and so admirably for years at various events. And the one thing that's always struck me is how genuine and how kind of a man he's always been. A consummate pro, to be sure. But an unspeakably kind man. And that's really what matters. We only really have one choice in this business, in this life, whatever it may be. And that is how we reflect onto others, how we treat others. There are a lot of reasons to be a jerk in this business. There are a lot of reasons to be a jerk in life, whether it's because somebody cuts you off in traffic or because you didn't get your Chick-fil-A nuggets off the media meal like you wanted, whatever it may be. I've never seen David blow off another media member. I've never seen him raise his voice toward anyone. I've never seen him be anything other than just incredibly kind and the genuine article. Whether David writes another word or not, and God, what a loss it would be if he didn't. I'll always remember that about him. For those of us who are Football Writers Association of America members or USBWA members as I am, You'll know of David's incredible contributions to those organizations and to the quality work they provide. You'll know him as a pool reporter. You'll know him for his coverage of Virginia sports, whatever it may be. But most importantly, know him as a kind, gracious, and good man. And I think that legacy will matter more than anything else. If you look at just what people have said about him, and really incredibly important people have said about him, that tells the story. Grace Rayner of The Athletic covered Clemson forever. Just as an example, she said, excited to see what's next for you. From every young reporter in the ACC, thank you. The ultimate example, always so kind and helpful. Stuart Mandel, congrats on an amazing run, David. You set an impossible bar. Mike Rutherford, you're the best, David. Bob Rathbun, you know Bob Rathbun, TV voice? Said, buddy, I'm thrilled for you, but I'm also sad anytime the industry loses one of its very best. Congratulations on a brilliant career and all the best for what's next. Tony Barnhart. David, you've always been the pro that other pros have to read. So glad I got to share so many ACC tournaments and bracket selections with you. Can't wait to see your next adventure. Brett Strelo, who covered ACC sports and so many other things in this region and now has gone on to Appalachian State says, as others have said, you've been a great example of how to do a job well and not sacrifice kindness in a profession that puts you in the middle of angst from all sides. Brooke Pryor, another titan in the industry. Can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks for always being kind to young writers in the ACC, setting the bar incredibly high, and being a great example for all of us. Jeff Greer, 
Thank you for everything. Your wise words, your always welcoming smile, your wonderful writing. Bravo and all the best, my friend. Nicole Auerbach, it's been a privilege to share Press Row with you and I can't wait to see what's next. That's just some of the names. There are so many more. As a Virginian, as a fan of the ACC, of storytelling in the Commonwealth, as a writer, as a journalist, as an observer, as someone who's admired David's work for so long, for someone who got the chance to be around him and to see all of these words that everyone said about him, to see all of that in action and to see how genuine of a man he is. This hurts. It really, really hurts. So many are confident, as am I, that this will only be a temporary stop in the road. But I'll tell you this. There are a lot of people who are just starting in this business. There are a lot of people who are fighting like crazy to start in this business. There are a lot of people like myself who are kind of on the fringes of the business. But know this. Whatever spot you may find yourself in life, in this business, whatever else, you could do so much worse than using David Teal as an example, whether it's as a professional or as a person. Someone else said it elsewhere in the thread, but it bears repeating. They mentioned David was the gold standard and is the gold standard. It's really tough to throw that label on anyone, but if anybody earned it, it's David. Like I say, I'm confident he won't be gone long. I'm fired up to see what he does next. David, even though we didn't really know each other all that well, just know that you have another admirer. And I've, I've always admired everything you do, just watching you work, reading your work. All the best. And again, thanks for the lessons you taught me, even though you didn't realize that you were teaching them. Let's take the second break of the program. We'll come back. Take a look at this weekend's action in the ACC. You're listening to Locked On ACC. If you've been a listener to this podcast, you've probably heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But what you may not know is that Locked On ACC is a great way for your local business to reach passionate ACC fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with ACC fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Locked On ACC for February 7th, 2020. I'm Brian Wilmer. One more segment left. We'll take a look back at a couple of things that happened today, one fairly significant, and then take a look ahead at this weekend's basketball action couple of quick softball scores since softball has gotten underway for the ACC. The biggest thing today, Clemson softball gets its first ever win in program history. They beat St. John's 6-2. So congratulations to the Tigers. Looking around some of the other ACC scores that we have available as of the time we drop this. Georgia Tech falls 9-3 to UAB in eight innings today. 
Notre Dame drops a 3-1 decision to Missouri. Louisville beats Ole Miss 4-2. Duke beats Clemson in the second game today, 11-0. And Alabama beats North Carolina 5-2. So softball's underway. Baseball next Friday. It's time. Briefly, let's take a look ahead at college basketball this weekend. We're on the ACC. Six men's games tomorrow, one Sunday. Those games are as follows. Tomorrow noon, over the ACC network, 11-11 and 11 Miami. They'll be traveling to number 8 Florida State. They are 19-3. and three. That is an ACC network game, as I mentioned. Also at noon tomorrow, a regional game. 11-12 and 12 Boston College traveling to the Castle. They'll take on 14-9 and nine Virginia Tech. You heard the brief mention of Mike Young's program in David's comments. Still probably in pretty good shape for an NIT spot. Tomorrow at 2 o'clock, another regional tilt. 11-12 and 12 Georgia Tech at 14-9 and 9 Pittsburgh. Then the two biggies tomorrow. 4 o'clock, 15-6 Virginia at number 5 Louisville. They are 23. That is an ESPN game. And then at 6, number 7 Duke. 19 and 3, they will travel to 10 and 12 Carolina. That also an ESPN game. Allow me to digress for just a second. While we're talking about Duke and Carolina, everybody will break down those games right and left, but I wanted to add one thing to it. Did you see yesterday on Twitter the jersey design that was released and I'm honestly not sure whether the schools are wearing them or not. I, I still can't tell whether it was a joke or whether it was real, but there was a jersey design released yesterday that was a blue Duke jersey with the Duke logo on the front and a Carolina blue Carolina jersey with the North Carolina logo on the front that was meant to commemorate the anniversary of the rivalry between the two. And they got roundly trashed on Twitter and with good reason. Like I say, I'm not sure if they're going to wear those jerseys tomorrow or what they're going to do, but that was horrible. If you've not seen it, go back, look through any ACC person's timeline. Chances are you'll see them clowning those jerseys and the look of them. Let's hope they don't wear them. And then tomorrow night, 8 o'clock on the ACC Network, 10 and 12 Wake Forest at 13 and 9 Syracuse. This is kind of the last stand for Syracuse. I still think they're probably in better shape to get an NCAA bid than a lot of schools in that same league. As much as you can call it a league. They're 13-9, and nine, as I mentioned. They have a decent shot at an at-large bid. Whether they'll get it or not, time will tell, but I think they have a decent look at it. It all starts tomorrow night with beating the Deeks. And then Sunday, we have one ACC game. That is a 6 o'clock start on Sunday. Notre Dame, they're 14-8. and eight. They are at 11-11 Clemson, that an ACC network game. Speaking of games that teams have to have, Notre Dame got one against Pittsburgh. They really need this game Sunday. Clemson, 11-11. They played fairly poorly against Virginia, save for a couple of stretches. Not that Virginia played all that much better. But this feels like a game that Notre Dame can get. It feels like a game they have to have. We talked about Syracuse being in a decent spot for an at-large bid. Again, they're 13-9, and nine, but 
If Notre Dame wants any shot at an at-large bid, they have to pick up this one. And then they probably need a pretty solid run to close the season. So there's your look at ACC basketball for this weekend and a few ACC softball scores. That'll bring to a close today's Locked On ACC podcast. But before we go, I wanted to say one quick thing. This is the end of the first week for us with Locked On ACC. And I just wanted to say thanks to those of you who have listened, who have shown support, who have retweeted, who have emailed, who have done all these things just to show that you're interested in the program, to show that you're interested in what we're here to offer. I thank you. I look forward to hearing a lot more from you. I look forward to your tweets, your emails, your voice memos, whatever it may be. But I have one favor to ask of you. If you like what you're hearing, tell me, tell your friends, tell our great friends over at Locked On. Because we need your support. If there's something we can do better, tell me. This is meant to be your program. It's meant to express your voice. If there's something we can do better, let me know and we'll do it. But either way, thank you for everything. Thanks for a fun first week. Let's make many more. Now that I've said that, this has been Locked on ACC for Friday, February 7th, 2020. And for the first week, I'm Brian Wilmer. You can find me on Twitter at Sports Matters. Until Monday, thanks everyone for everything. This has been Locked on ACC. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Love you. Mean it. (laughs)